0: Welcome in to another Great Things Are Happening in Columbia Township podcast. With us is Township Trustee President Dave Kabicki and Jack of All Trades Entertainment Director extraordinaire, Lord Allison. And we got a special guest today, Dave. Yes, we do. Uh, today we're here to talk
1: about all, all the things that make Columbia Township great, but what we're really proud of is some of the events we throw, one we just threw recently, and really excited to talk about the upcoming event that for the Bengals. Opening game, we're going to try to throw the biggest tailgate party for the Bengals in history. They have an away game in Cleveland. And with that, we're also going to bring into this podcast as our special guest, who's going to be our special guest that day, the legendary quarterback Bengal, Kenny Anderson, who we're going to bring into this podcast in a few minutes as well. But really, it's we're here today to talk about the exciting events that we throw in Columbia Township. It's a chance. Kind of I liken it to like when the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. You get the, the Cincinnati was on kind of uh, showcase and these events kind of put us on showcase and with that I'm gonna you know talk a little bit to Lauren because Lauren really is the Wizard of Oz behind the scenes that makes all of us look great and helps put and chair these events together so Lauren you've had a long weekend we just got done throwing a big event this weekend tell us yes. about that one.
2: Well I am just one of many people who helped get this all together so I got to give a shout out to obviously the Columbia Township crew and uh Ms. Chandra Buzzwell over from, in Fairfax. for She's helping. incredible. She is she is she is a uh, everything that we need so um we just had our michael jackson janet jackson tribute band concert over at 50 Whee! west 50, at 50 west over the weekend and if everything went wonderful the weather was fantastic um we had a great turnout uh 50 west actually told us that it was one of their biggest crowds that they've had there, so that was pretty amazing to hear, and I'd like to think that Columbia Township made up a lot of that crowd for them on Saturday uh, evening.
1: I've already got incredible feedback, and even from that night, everybody wants to be on the committee to pick the next band, as you can imagine. That's always a challenge and fun in the office of who we pick. Very and true, I think critics. we
2: should start a poll, maybe, you know what I mean, let people vote. <laughs> and really,
1: you see some of the people's things people suggested. It's, it's humorous, it's funny, and challenging, but it's all good.
2: Yeah, so, it is really nice to hear, too, not only from our residents, you know, the thank you, but even the band made a comment of how Awesome, the event was. They thought that it was very nice that we put this on for our township. And we, you know, we just explained to people that we really just want to pull all of our neighborhoods together. We want to pull the crowd together. And um, I think that happened on Saturday.
1: Yeah. And it also gives us a chance, really, just to kind of raise the brand of Columbia Township. I mean, I look at when we do stuff with Hamilton County. And as you know, I mean, Skinny, you were here when we had the Hamilton County auditor, we've had Hamilton County Commissioner, Hamilton County Sheriff. People look at Columbia Township and say, you know, these guys, these guys have got their, you know what, they got their stuff together. Mm-hmm. So it really helps you when you're in there doing things and really, again, puts us and raises the brand of Columbia Tats as a whole and gives a sense of community pride. And as I always said, years ago when I first ran, people said the only time we ever see the politicians or even the people or anybody is when people, somebody's running for office or something's going wrong. So this is an opportunity for us to really get to know the people and connect and really put columbia township on display so it's incredible i
2: think we're changing the you know how people view townships and local government and things like that we're really trying to make it more personable Mm -hmm. um because we are all people at the end of the day so it's nice to it's nice to humanize all of us
1: yeah well and now that segues into what we think could be a a universally great event we hope to try to throw it every year and kind of incubate it we all Uh, Huddled up together and think, what do we think? We got saw the Bengals schedule come in. First game, away game is at Cleveland. um, Is at Cleveland, and um, uh, so we decided, should we go ahead and try to throw the most ultimate Bengal tailgate ever? So I reached out to somebody I consider a friend, and now I'm going to introduce one of the NFL's greatest players in history. One of the certainly one of the most important players in Bengals history. uh, he broke records in a single-season game. He broke records in 1974, a single-season game, in 75, in a Monday night game, in the 81-year, in the Super Bowl passing records. And he also set the single-season passing record in 82 that, that held on for I don't know how many years till Drew Brees broke it. So he broke record, virtually every a lot of records in different categories. He went to four Pro Bowls. Uh, he was a first-team ring of honor for the Bengals. He won an incredible four passing titles. And um, and now he's up for one of the twelve finalists in the Hall of Fame. That hopefully we we he might hear at the end of this month. Um, and with that said, I want to introduce the great Kenny Anderson.
3: Well, thank you, David, for having me. It's always fun to be with uh, with you and. You know, like I say, I'm just glad to be here. We're glad you're here. And he's also going to be joining us as a special guest for our
1: big event. And just to put this in perspective, what I mentioned, he's a candidate for the uh, for the Hall of Fame 12 finalists. Uh, there's no QB in NFL history that's won more than two passing titles that it isn't in the Hall of Fame. Kenny won four. But let's go back. I'm going to go back to the Mist of the time to tell a little story about Kenny. I always get a kick out of it. That many don't know. Back in the '60s, he went uh, the Batavia, Illinois, Batavia High School in, in Batavia, Illinois. He played on the basketball team with Dan Issel, future Hall of Fame uh, NBA player. They were the stars. Had a big basketball going. And then he decided to go to Augustana College, which if anybody doesn't understand. That's like going to the college of Mount St. Joe here locally. That's who they play. Small, small t- t- time. And he goes there to play basketball and writes a cute little letter in nineteen sixty seven. Dear coach, I'm six foot two, I weigh one hundred and eighty five pounds. Ain't any chance I could touch a trial for the football team this fall in Augustana. And he ended up playing. And Ken,
3: is that not true? No, no, it is. Okay. Uh, you know,, uh, I didn't, wasn't recruited by any schools, you know, other than the size of Augustana, you know, also in our conference there was Milliken University and Elmhurst and Wheaton and North Central and North Park, all those, those huge schools. But, um, you know, I always thought that baseball was my best sport, basketball was my favorite sport. And so I had a chance to go to Augustana and, and play basketball and, and baseball. And it was my high school uh, football coach, Bill Day, uh, said, you know, you ought to try out for football, and I, I've, I still got a copy of that letter. It's dated June 28th. So I mean, they're getting ready to start summer practice, you know, in, in a month, and uh, and Coach Starenko, uh wrote me back and said, yeah, come on and, and try out. Uh, you know, at Division Three schools, at least at that time, they're looking for warm bodies to fill out the roster at some point, point. and you know, they're very uh, concerned about the, the number of students that are enrolled, and uh, you know, to get another. Uh, You know, athlete that's a male student was always good, and so he let me try out for the team. Yeah, from from writing that letter, then you broke
1: virtually all the Augustana passing records, and in one game you scored all 38 points, either throwing, running, or kicking. You even kicked. And so that's quite remarkable. And then that uh, put you uh, at the front of the table thinking, uh-oh, this guy's not only playing football at Augustana, but in comes the Cincinnati Bengals brass and the legendary coach Bill Walsh tinkering with his new offense, and then you somehow got drafted to play for the Bengals with Bill Walsh and Paul
3: Brown. Did you have any idea how special that was going to be? Oh, heck yeah. Everybody knew about Paul Brown. You know, Bill Walsh was still the young, up-and-coming coach a- at that time, but, I mean, to go to Cincinnati and, and, and Paul Brown was... You know, wow. Uh, You know, I I remember uh, the draft in those days was in in January. And so, uh, you know, there was no ESPN, you know, nothing was televised on us. So you're kind of sitting around waiting to see if you get a phone call. And so uh, I had a a bunch of college buddies going to come over for the day uh, to our apartment and went up to our our, our local watering hole. And I I didn't have. Unusual for you. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't have any money, but. But uh, the owner gave me a quarter barrel of beer on credit, then we took that back and and waited, and about four o'clock I got the the call from, from Bill Walsh that they had drafted me in the third round. And I go, wow, I mean, I didn't expect to go that high. You're hoping to get a shot maybe after the draft as a free agent, but I think, you know, the draft at that time was 17 rounds, and you know, you had no idea, but here I was going to Cincinnati in the third round. Yeah, and then by seventy four and seventy five,
1: you won back to back passing titles. One of the few times in NFL history that was done, and that had to be incredible. You go from a guy that goes to Batavia, then goes to Augustana, and now you're the best passer in the
3: NFL in the mid seventies. <laughs> What'd that feel like? Well, no, it was you know a lot of hard work and a lot of great coaching from from Bill Walsh, and you know I went there as a rookie, and uh, you know Virgil Carter was the starting quarterback, and. But you know, my gosh, we only had two quarterbacks in camp. It was me and Virgil, and we played six preseason games. So I got to play, you know, half of every preseason game. I got to take half of all the snaps in practice, and then you know, it was uh, that that off season, You know, we, we I got to start three games in the middle of the season when uh, when Virgil got hurt. Uh, we happened to lose all three. Maybe it was I think it was four, and I, I remember we went uh, one time. If I don't play, it's uh, our backup. Quarterback at that time was our punter Dave Lewis, and uh, so we're playing out in uh, in Oakland against the the Raiders. Isn't that amazing? The the backup quarterback is your punter. Why? Well, because I mean you only carry two on the roster. You know we had no you know really no taxi squad quarterback or anything like that. So we're we're out in Oakland playing, and that's the uh, going to be the third game in a row that I've started. And in the first quarter. I get hit in the hip by Ben Davidson, their defensive lineman with the old handlebar mustache. Mm -hmm. And I'm laying on the ground and I've never been in so much pain in my life. And we had a veteran tackle named Ernie Wright. he said, hey rookie, he pulled me up by the back of the pants, get your butt back in the huddle, you're all we got. So I finished finished the game and uh, so the next week, I I mean, I can't practice, I mean, I'm in so much pain. And the doctor said, don't worry, we'll shoot it up before the game. And so I went out and tried to warm up, and it wasn't working. And he said, come on, you know, Kenny, let's uh, let's go in the locker room. And he took me in and dropped your pants and started just sticking needles in me to try to, to numb things. And it, it didn't work, and I went out. It was probably the worst game statistically I ever had. We got beat, I think, 10 to 6 or something like that. My longest completion was an interception to Kenny Houston uh, for the for the Oilers. And so, you know, I'm kind of, okay, I tried. You know, you know, I, I gave it my best shot. I'm up in the locker room, and, and Coach Brown called the team together, as he'd always done after the game. And the first thing he says was, well, Anderson, this is the fourth game in a row you've lost for us now. Oh, boy. So I was a little bit deflated. I was glad Virgil came back the next week, gave me a chance to kind of regroup, but... uh You know, after that, the next season, I won the job in training camp.
1: Yeah, 16 years with the Bengals. So you've moved back here, and uh, you do a lot of these events. You have a new charity, uh, you know, for adults with dis, uh, with... Developmental disabilities. Developmental disabilities. I just wanted to be clear on that. And so you you go, and you're interacting a lot. What's it like to come back now, I mean, at at your age, and get get to see all the fans and things?
3: Well, you know, it's a lot of fun. You know, I mean, everybody wants to to retire and go to Hilton Head and play golf and enjoy Well, that's the what beach. you did well, I, you know, <laughs> I, I did that for for 13 years and you know all of a sudden you know all my three kids are are, are back here I've, I've got six grandkids between the ages of 12 and five and you know we want to spend more time with them and you know my my wife's mom is, is 84 I want her to enjoy her and, and the foundation is growing that that's you know, needs uh, a lot more of my, atten- my attention, and, and so it, it's been fun to come back. I mean, just, uh, you know, I was down at, at practice the other day, took my uh, 12-year-old granddaughter, Mia, down there, and she got to get Jamar Chase's autograph oh, on, on her hat, which was what she really wanted to do, and, you know, Zach and uh, and the Bengals have been great to me to kind of allow me access to go watch practices and things like that, so to be a little bit of a, a part of it again, and. And like I say, it's just to come back and, and to do things like this is is a lot of fun for me. It brings back a lot of great memories.
1: And as we say, we talk about the past, the present, the future. So let's talk about the kind of the present. You were also a quarterback's coach and obviously know a lot about a court. What makes a guy like Joe Burrow so special? Because he's really brought this city together and you see this. And, and it, what's your take on that?
3: Well, I think, you know, obviously, number one, you have to have talent to be successful. You know, and we've seen that since we... Uh, we saw that uh, that championship game that LSU played uh, when he was in college. But I think, you know, more important than that are his leadership capabilities. You know, the team gravitates towards him. He's not a, a real vocal guy, mm-hmm. but uh, he has the respect of the team and, and, you know, it is kind of a magical team. They hold each other accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I think the other thing is he's just a good person. I mean, what he's done you know for the city I mean it goes back to his Heisman Trophy speech you know talking about food insecurity in Athens County and the money that came into the food bank uh, was just remarkable and now using that platform in Cincinnati with his foundation and the thing that he's done you know not only with food insecurity but now with you know with childhood you know mental health and and helping people so I, I think it's the whole package and and then you know, football is important to him. I mean, the season yeah. started, and and he's focused on football. I mean, there, there's not any time for any outside stuff because it's it's the next play, it's the next practice, it's the next game, the next week, and uh, you know, you put all that stuff together, and that's a pretty special quarterback.
2: I actually went to OU so uh, Joey B and I have that love for (laughs) Athens yeah and I mean anybody in Athens will tell you that just stand up family wonderful people so it's really hard not to like Joey B but it did make me a little worried last was it last week or the week before the injury the cat was it a calf strain or something yes so I, I know that worried the entire city of Cincinnati maybe even the whole state of Ohio a little bit but, um, but I hope that he can come back from that and be okay and be ready to rock and roll
3: well I think the only ones happy about that were uh, the people up in Cleveland and maybe Pittsburgh is see, as well but even Cleveland <laughs> likes
2: him a little bit him being from the middle of the state you know what I mean he's got fans up north he's got fans down here so it's it's hard like I said it's hard not to like him
3: you know it's, it's one of those things that I think it's going to be a, a nagging thing with a, a calf mm-hmm. strain I think he's going to be fine to start the season mm-hmm. uh, you know and and I felt bad for him because all the talk before training camp, was this is my first season healthy going into training camp. You know, we had the COVID deal, then recovering from the knee, and last year the appendectomy. And Mm -hmm. of course, you know, the first week of training camp, now this happens. But on the bright side of it, he knows how to handle getting ready for a season, not practicing Absolutely. as much in training camps so uh he'll figure it out
2: one of the funniest things too i think about the city of cincinnati is anytime there's a joey b injury people are re- ready to donate theirs you know what i mean <laughs> i saw this thing it's like please stop donating wanting to donate your calves or your appendage he's okay he yeah. will be okay
1: yeah. okay uh and this we're gonna come back here again we're gonna take a quick break in the second half we're gonna talk again about our upcoming event we're gonna bring in the voice of columbia township richard skinner who follows the bangle for his day job and have him bring in his with insight with kenny and we're also going to talk and try to get some questions to kenny who were some guys that he feared that he threw away from or feared talk about the freezer bowl when it was 59 degrees below zero one of the most famous games in Bengal history and again what makes joe burrow great and the current Bengals so great so that said you could
0: stay tuned for the second half Reminder to catch previous podcasts in this series, just go to your favorite podcast provider, type in the words Columbia Township, and to find all the great things happening in Columbia Township, go to the website ColumbiaTWP.org. We'll have more great things are happening in Columbia Township right after this. Into great things are happening in Columbia Township. Got a great second segment coming up. Dave, take it away.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, we we were talking about why we throw these great great events, and we got Lauren Allison, who kind of spearheads and chairs them on behalf of our community. And what we're trying to do now is do throw the ultimate bangle hopefully become an annual event for the kickoff of the bangle season and that's it the bangles remain staying great but we're talking about our upcoming bangle event mm-hmm. i can't even remember the date of it but you go ahead lauren tell us about <laughs> the event the time the place what's going to happen what's going to make it great
2: all so we're going to try and get this name to stick it's the bangles bash is what we're calling it okay. it's going to be on september 10th on murray avenue um, it's kind of similar we're going to close down the street um, there will be some obstacle courses, some some fun stuff for kids, as always. Um, we have a huge screen to watch the game on. 50 West is going to be there grilling out their amazing burgers. Um, like I said, fun for kids, fun for adults. September 10th, starting at 11 a.m., we will see everybody there, and Ken Anderson will be there as well. Everybody. There
1: you go, and uh, we're also have a big giant scoreboard. Did we mention that as well? Yep. That means so it'll be yep. really cool viewing and everything else. The only we need to hope cooperate. So this is the weather. Yes. So yes, as 100%. I said, we're going to bring in the the legendary voice of Columbia Township, as he's known as uh, Richard Skinner. Uh, yeah, Richard, I know you've been around uh, the Bengals nonstop here for the last however how many years, but you've been here since 1970, so you've seen just about everybody. I know Kenny's been one of your favorite players in Bengal history, so what's your biggest memory of Kenny Anderson that we can kind of bring him in and talk about?
0: There's, there's a lot. Uh, um, you know, my father worked for the airline, so I was born here. We moved away from here, and we lived in Tulsa for a period of time. Drove to Kansas City once in 72, I guess it was, to see the Bengals Chiefs. Flew to Dallas once. You don't like that game. Leroy Jordan picked you off, I think, uh, in that game down in Dallas in, in like 73 or 74. But uh, my uncle was the, the publicity director for the Queen City Club, uh, my Uncle Les. And um, we used to, his one of his drinking buddies was Alheim, the publicity director. So before we bought season tickets, my dad bought season tickets, we would sit in camera wells where they would shoot NFL films for games. And and I was outside uh, for a 75 game in the rain against Oakland. Uh, certainly the Monday night game comes to mind. The game that comes to mind for everybody. I was in San Diego for that crazy Monday night game where you guys put up a ton of yards and the Chargers ended up putting up 50 points. But the Freezer Bowl has to be number one for everybody. I know there's 9,000... 575 million people who say they were at the game. I was at the game. My father was a season ticket holder. Um, And one of my favorite stories from the game, Kenny, and you can probably relate to this, Dan Fouts tells the story because Ken threw a great tight spiral and it cut through the win. And Dan did not. Dan was a great quarterback, but Dan kind of threw a wobbly ball and he talked about how that affected him. But it's one of my favorite stories from Dan Fouts. I was in Pittsburgh covering the Bengals three or four years ago and Dan was doing the game for CBS. And Dan had a... It was a Charger thing from that year of, of him talking about the game. And he said that the worst part was sitting in the airport in Boone County, Kentucky. And he said, back in those days, on Sundays, they didn't serve no alcohol in Boone County. So, so I got on the elevator. and Dan was standing the next to me. I said, hey, Dan, I just want to let you know, I live in Boone County and we do sell alcohol. He goes, son, I know. I've been in that airport since then. He said that was a bad night for me. But that it had to be the Freezer Bowl. And, and I know for, for fans, that game... It was it was a blur, I'm sure, for the players it wasn't because of the elements, Kenny. But still, to, to have to handle those temperatures, handle that wind um, and the gratification, it, it wasn't your greatest statistical game ever, but it had to rank up there, I'm assuming.
3: No, it, it was because, you know, it sent us to our, our first Super Bowl and, you know, of course, You know, all those Charger guys said, well, yeah, yeah, we had to play. You know, we're down in Miami, and it's 80 degrees. And then we come up to Cincinnati, and it's 59 below with the wind chill. Tough luck. You know, well, (laughs) 59 below. Take note of that, guys. If you remember, early that season, we went out to San Diego and beat them handily. And I always remind those guys that, you know, had you won that game, the championship game would have been in San Diego. So we earned the right there. But, But my favorite story about the game is in the first quarter, you know, they brought in these heated benches, and we, we'd never seen heated benches before, you know. And so I'm over there in the first quarter, and, and I'm luckily I've got my helmet on, and I'm sitting on my hands, and they got little slots for your feet to go in. And somebody throws a, a cape over me, and then uh, after a couple minutes, there's a big roar, and I stand up to see if there's a turnover if I'm going back on the field. Well, I stand up, and my feet don't come out, and I go down, and the first thing that hits is my face mask. And I'm seeing stars, and I'm calling for the trainer. I, you know, Mar, it was Marpa mark me some smelling salts. I can't get knocked out of the game, falling off the bench. <laughs> in in today's world, of course, nobody caught it on camera. There were no cell phones in back day those days, and they didn't have as many TV cameras. But you know, in today's world, someone would have caught oh, it for on sure. camera. You
2: would have been a meme as well. We call well, it. <laughs> yeah,
3: you know. But then all of a sudden, you know, then the doctor comes over. I have to go into concussion protocol. Exactly. And I go in the tent. I may not have been able to play the rest of the game. So who knew? Yeah. Who knew? So Ken, if we go look and you see Joe Burrow and we
1: see any quarterback in the NFL. Not many guys know what that's like. So when you go back and and you or you go get ready to go up the line of scrimmage, are there guys you looked at that you feared threw away from or guys that you
3: saw that were on the defensive line you thought, "Uh uh-oh? No, not, not during the game. I mean, you account for those guys. You know, you know, in, in your scouting reports and, and how you structure the game plan that, you know, it may be Ted Hendricks, you know, with the Oakland Raiders, a great pass rusher that, okay, we got to get some help over there for our, our left tackle until Anthony Munoz came that he needed no help. Okay. <laughs> um, or, you know, you slide the line, you know, towards a Pacific guy, pull a, a, a guard out to help, or, you know, whatever that may be. So you adjust to that, but, you know, and you're aware of who the, the good defensive backs are and some of your your passing routes are, you know, are, are, you know, called accordingly who you would like to go after. But I'm going to tell you what, you know, if I had Isaac Curtis or Charlie Joyner, I don't care who they're against, they're going to get the ball because, you know, they're that good.
1: Yes, they they were that good back in the day. They were as good as anybody.
3: Yeah, and, and Kenny, you know, you, you played
0: in an era where those were those great Pittsburgh Steelers teams, and it was kind of unfortunate because the Bengals – Arguably through the seventies, or a good chunk of the seventies, were the maybe the second best team in the NFL. That had to be tough because
3: those Steelers teams were so so loaded. Yeah, but you know when you think about it, uh, and you know I I don't have the statistics uh, in front of me. But I think if you look at the years I was the starting quarterback for the Bengals, we had by far the best record of the Steelers than anybody. I think we were almost 50-50, and the next one is about 30%, you know, winning percentage. So there was a a respect when we played the Steelers. Uh, You know, gosh, I remember in uh, a couple of Steelers stories, uh, 1979 was the worst Bengals team I was ever on. I mean, we were awful. Uh, we started off 0-7. The Steelers are 7-0 on their way to another Super Bowl. They come to Cincinnati. We, I think we beat them 34-10. They didn't cross midfield until the, the fourth quarter. Chuck Noll told them after the game, if I didn't know you guys better, I thought you threw the game. <laughs> well, later on that year, we're playing them in Pittsburgh. And we're getting our butts whipped pretty good. And and Joe Green sacks me again in the fourth quarter. and He's laying on top of me. He says, Kenny, why don't you come in the locker room for a beer after the game? Well, that sounded like a, a pretty good idea and at the old Three River Stadium, the lockers were right, rooms were right next to each other so I showered quickly and, and I walked right around, you know, and go in their door and the first guy I see is Bradshaw doing his media interviews and and he stops his interviews, takes me to the back of the locker room and they had turned their sauna off and had a garbage can full of beer and so, of course, it's packed in there, you know, the old saunas, it's, you know, there's the three levels and so Bradshaw clears a couple of seats off for us in the front row, you know, Kenny's with me. And we, we have two or three beers and I'm feeling better about life and, you know, and uh, I go out to catch the buses to go to the airport and they've gone. And I go, how do I explain that I got fined and had to buy a plane ticket from Pittsburgh to Cincinnati because I'm in the Steelers locker room drinking beer after the <laughs> game. And so I, I'm, I'm walking around frantically trying to find a cab to go to the airport. And there goes the Bengals equipment truck and I'm running down the street waving my arms <laughs> think about what him. happened today with Joe Burrow. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and and so I ride out there and the plane is late, you know, getting there. So we just pulled up to the gate, the guy lets me in and the whole team's standing there. And it's so like I say, we were having a, a, a bad year that year and at first I'm upset. I said, you know, the quarterback's not there and they you know, they don't wait for him. Then I said, Maybe they know and they just don't <laughs> care. So uh, so you know, just a lot of memories. You know, playing against you know those guys, and you know what a great rivalry it was.
1: And you know, it's interesting the difference in the NFL today. I mean, I mean, you got c- just crushed in some of the hits and the inju- injuries and things you took. Remember when Keith, was it Keith Gary that ripped yep. your almost tore your back oh, yeah. off? Mm-hmm. And uh, I just go look at the NFL has changed so so much in terms of hitting and everything else. It's just a little bit of a different game,
3: don't you think? Yeah, no, it is. And you know, you, you go back to the the start of my career. And you know you mentioned it in, in the freezer, you, know, you didn't throw it a lot. Well, you know, I mean if you look at the 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 quarterbacks back in the in the up to the, the late 70s early 80s, you only threw it 18 right. 20 times a game because offensive linemen couldn't extend their hands. They had to keep them within the framework of their body. Well, how are you supposed to block a pass rusher like that? And so, you know, once they of course, the first rule was, you know, you could mug receivers all over the field in our first playoff game in, in uh, Miami. Our, yep. Yeah. In 1975 was my, or 73 was my first playoff game. Yeah. And, you know, they're playing that uh, double rotation zone and the cornerbacks are just tackling Isaac Curtis at the line of scrimmage. Well, until they came up with the five-yard chuck rule. The Isaac Curtis rule. Yeah. Correct. And, and so all of a sudden that opened it up and then the, the linemen extending their They're being able to stand their hands, you know, to pass block. Well, of course, now it opened it up. And I think one of the the big things that they don't talk a lot about was when they expanded the rosters. Because when the rosters were at 40 men when I came into the league, you never went three wide receivers because you only had three on the roster. So every down was, you know, basically a tight end, two receivers and two running backs. Once they expanded the roster, you had extra bodies. So the first one was the Redskins took out their middle linebacker, put an extra defensive back in. So now the offense countered by taking you know, a, a tight end out, putting an extra wide receiver in or a running back, whatever it may be. So all of a sudden now you had the bodies to go ahead and expand the offense and open it up. And my gosh, it would be fun to be playing in the NFL today <laughs> the bet. way it's structured. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll bet.
1: So, and, and back in the day, those days, the starting quarterback would eventually become the backing quarterback. You, you when uh, Boomer took the starting job, you hung around where his backup. And I always enjoy the story you talk about the '85 Bears when Sam Weiss decided he thought it was time for you to go in. <laughs> it was a funny story.
3: Well, we're getting killed by the Bears. Of course, they went on to Boomer's know, hit, in. Yeah, and, and and Boomer's getting hit a lot, and you know, and so Sam says, "Hey, listen, what you want to play the fourth quarter?" I go, "Why?" <laughs> he <laughs> said, well, you know, you, you haven't taken any snaps in a game in a while. We were still in the playoff hunt. I'm good, man. I'm good. I, I said, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm, said Sam, I've been taking snaps for 14 years, you know. No, 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 go ahead. And, and so I go in and Michael and Dent and Singletary, all those guys, Kenny, throw some more passes. We need more sacks. Like, oh, this does not sound good. <laughs> so uh, I, I look over and they, they signal in a pass. And I'm thinking, oh, off tackle to the right's a must-better call. So we go off tackle right for a couple yards. And then they signal in a pass on second down and – well, I'm thinking toss-sweep to the left is a pretty good call. Now Sounds it's good to me. Third down and six, they send in a pass. Ah, they're set up for a draw. We run a draw, we punt, and, and Sam come off and said, Sam, we're, we're signaling in passes. Why, why aren't you running them? And I said, Sam, boomer's over there pouting on the sidelines. I said, you got the third-string quarterback doing the signals. He has no idea what they are. I'm just calling a play. And I, think, I, I, I think I threw one pass that day, but they were not going to sack me. You know what that's called? That's a veteran move right there. Yeah, that's what the, that like is. is. Yeah, it's it's a experience. veteran move. <laughs> See, these are the stories
1: you're going to get when you come to our event. Now, Lord, remind us again when.
2: September 10th, starting at 11 a.m.
1: September 10th, 11 a.m. We got the legendary Kenny Anderson. We got Lauren Allison. We got mm-hmm. scoreboards. And again, let, get us excited
2: we've got a huge scoreboard we're getting an all the way in from Columbus they're driving down with it that that morning and then we're also going to have 50 West there making their wonderful burgers we've got um inflatables and things like that for kids to have fun on as well we're really just trying to get that game game time feel tailgate type uh Type
3: feel on Murray Avenue. Well, no, what kind of you here? Yes, absolutely. Now, I heard you say Fifty West is going to be there cooking burgers. Correct. Might there be an adult beverage or two? You
2: might uh, be able to find one or two. There. Oh yeah, that's why. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. if there's yeah.
3: not, I'm not coming. Yeah, <laughs> and Ken, and
1: Ken, tell us a little bit about your foundation again, and anything you got kind of upcoming with your thing since we have you here, and we're thankful that you were able to join us in this podcast. Well,
3: well, thank you very much for having me. But no, uh, the Ken Anderson Alliance is uh, working to create live, work, and engage opportunities for adults with developmental disabilities. And, you know, right now, our facility on uh, on Plainfield Road in, uh, uh, you know. Right across S- from MVP. Yeah, right. Up in, in Silverton. I mean, we're, we're putting our adult daycare and our, our music therapy. Th- that's one of Lauren's favorite places, MVP. Well, uh, well, <laughs> but, 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 but like I say, but in the morning in early afternoon stop over there to our coffee shop, Just Brew, mm-hmm. uh, where we, you know, we got uh, great coffee going on over there. I'm always down for some coffee, so yeah, you might see so me no, over there. No, that's that's a, a great place, and you know, we do our engage outings in the evening, uh, going out into the community in groups of six, to eight. Whether it be to putt putt, they they took them to the the Red Yankees game. And I said, I, why didn't I go on that one? <laughs> um, no, so but we're servicing about 400 adults a month with uh, our pro different programs. You know, and ultimately, we want to provide housing for those adults, and you know, which is always a hard thing to do. But uh, the Bengal Center, Ted Karras, is is doing something similar in Indianapolis, so he has uh, agreed to kind of help us out and work uh, towards that aspect of getting housing in Cincinnati. So it's great for me to be able to partner with a current Bengal uh, with the same mission. Well, thank you for joining us for the podcast. And again, we're really looking forward. And for everybody
1: out there, there's no more gracious guest to go walk around and. mingle with the public than kenny anderson he's a great great guy knows a lot of history knows the current Bengals. so thank you
0: a reminder to listen to previous podcasts in this series including individual podcasts on all the great communities that make up columbia township just type in the words columbia township at your favorite podcast provider and be sure to head to the website columbiatwp.org to keep up to date on all the great things happening in columbia township thanks for being with us we'll be back with more great things are happening in columbia township